0: guys, before we get started with today's episode, I would just like to announce that I have opened up a Patreon page for the podcast specifically. Like many other people at the moment, we have been economically hit fairly hard by the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, At present, we're actually producing about 250 minutes worth of podcasts per week, and I'm just looking for any small contributions anyone's willing to make, and they are all very much appreciated. If you want to head over to patreon.com forward slash Chris Carl Photography Podcast, any donations are massively, massively appreciated. I will be releasing some Podcasts as early access on my Patreon, as well as some vlog style videos and exclusive podcasts that will only be available on the Patreon. So, any contributions help, but let's crack on with today's episode. Previous podcast guest, a gentleman named Eli Warren from Carolina. Um, You both shoot a broad range of subjects um, and moods, especially, but you retain an individual style to the image overall, like a through line that it's your image. How long does it take you to start liking your own work, and how long does it take to fine tune that style?
1: Oh my god, Um, good question. I I don't know. I think every photographer just sort of goes through that it goes through those emotions where they like their work. They don't like the work. They don't like the work. And I think it's sort of this constant battle. And I don't, and I, th- and I think as you move through your career or years of shooting, you you generally start to like your work, but I think there always is that, that doubting in the back of your mind. Um, mm. I know I go back on past work and look at it and, Think, oh, I should have done that, or I should have done that, or, and I think that's just normal with any sort of creative field. Um, whether you know, whether you're an architect or a designer or whatever, you know, I should have done this, I should have done that. So I, I think it's just you know, I guess to battle that, I I, I try and you know learn from mistakes like anyone. Um, and the the style component, I. I feel like I I have sort of found my style but I don't think I've like really set into it yet. There's like there's a couple things I'm still looking to experiment with and try. Um but maybe that's I don't know, maybe that's my style <laughs> just <laughs> experimenting and trying. Um yeah, it's a great question. Um I feel with specific parts of like some of my portraiture have sort of fit into this style. Um but then again it, it, like more recently I started shooting film portraits and just going back to, you know, natural light and film. And even sometimes even incorporating some strobe into it. Um, just again, that experimentation thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's does that answer your question? I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, what is it that's driven you to start photographing portraits on film?
1: it's a good qu- i i started shooting film uh, when i first picked up a camera um i i uh it was just one of those things where i i i really enjoyed taking pictures um i was working overseas at the time as a dancer and it 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 was just one of those sort of pastimes when i'd be in various places and um going off and taking random random pictures and I, and i really enjoyed that process um I just enjoyed the process of, of, of looking and observing. Um, And it, and it, and it actually sort of, it forced me to become quite curious about the world. I was quite young when I, when I, when I started uh, dancing professionally and, and, and around the world. Um, And it sort of just opened my eyes a little bit. And I I really enjoyed what photography sort of uh, gave to me and allowed me to sort of, be curious and sort of be in, in some of these environments. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously as my career, as I switched careers and started shooting professionally and all that, um, just recently, like I said, uh, last year, I picked up some, picked up some film, uh, I acquired uh, a new film camera and just started shooting more film. And, and again, it just, it, it, I fell in love with photography all over again. It was going back to that process and that, 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 that slow down tempo, um, that observing piece, it, it was it, it's fantastic. I, I I I get I get giddy giddy again when I pick up a film camera now. And again, it just sort of brings me back to when I first started shooting with it
0: some people thrive off of having artistic freedom and just being able to create without any kind of barriers or any kind of restrictions. Whereas other people prefer those restrictions and the challenge of working within a uh, sort of tight guidelines or with a limited amount of gear or a limited scenario in whatever respect that may be, which do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Do you prefer complete freedom or the restriction?
1: Uh, both. Um, it de- and it really, de- it really depends on the situation. I think with my with the commercial work and some some of the work I do that I get paid to do, I, I do like sort of the, con- the 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 restrictions being put in a box and having to solve problems and things like that. Um, you'll never have, uh, and I'm sure you know this. You you never have a perfect day. You never have a day that has the perfect light or the perfect location or the perfect talent or what have you. So it's kind of fun to 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 solve some of those issues. Um, Especially, you know, when Mother Nature goes <laughs> has yeah. different plans. Um, so I think I, I like that. I do love the problem solving when on set, um, personal work. Um, yeah, having ha- the, the having no expectations and whatnot is is what I is is what I do prefer. I I, I lived in Bangladesh and Nepal for a year, and I took a year off and went over there to photograph. The reason was solely just to create a body work I was proud of, and not having a client breathing down the back of your neck or an art director dictating what sort of angles and you know <laughs> specs need to be considered. It was it was wonderful. You just you have free reign and you just experiment and observe and 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 shoot. Uh, it was it was I, I like I like that with the
0: personal work. Yeah. I mean you're mentioning personal work. What percentage of your work currently is paid work, commissioned work and what what percentage of it is personal work?
1: Oh wow. Well, I um I'm I I I shoot full time so it's it is my job, it is my career. Um I always I always leave time in a given year for personal projects. Um one being a a, a cross Canada project that I'm doing so I'll, I'll always Allocate anywhere from two to six weeks for that per year, and that could be any point in any point uh, within that year. Um, if, if things are a bit slow on the commercial front, um, sometimes I've, I've had past years where summers have been a bit slow. I'll do some creative projects. Um, any ideas that I've had in the back of my brain, I'll I'll start pulling those sort of out of the closet and getting those organized. Um, If I could put a number or percentage, it'd be like, you know, 80% paid, 20% um, fun, you know, the personal stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, you've, you've just mentioned your... Uh, cross Canada project so I guess we'll go there so it's back to the land project would that be you I, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to frame this wrong because when it's a personal project it's something that people's initial impression of it is something that I don't want to take away from or mismanage so I'll let you kind of give us the outline of it and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pick it apart and talk about separate elements of it so what is the back to the land project
1: uh, back to the land project is a cross Canada project where I'm photographing people from small towns and remote areas across the country. So all 10 provinces and three territories. Um, it's a long-term project. It started back in two, th- I started practicing and seeing if it was possible back in 2014, 2015. And, uh, it's, it's been this wonderful, journey where I'll intermittently take time throughout the year and get in my car and I'll drive to a specific province or region in a province and find people that live in, like I said, small and remote towns, interview them, tell their stories and take their portraits.
0: I mean, 6 years so far and with no clear end in sight. Is, is that ever overwhelming in the sense because obviously that's a significant period of time and you're talking about an enormous country, do you ever get slightly overwhelmed by the prospect of ever being able to complete it?
1: Yeah. It, it's like, When I started it, I knew it was going to be a long-term project. I, I had this idea in my head where it would be 10 years and I'll be done it. But like you said, when you start driving a country that's <laughs> incredibly... Large to the point where you can't even fathom how much land mass there is. It's, yeah, it, it does. It can get a little overwhelming, but again, it's it it. Yeah, there is no clear end in sight right now. Um, I think, I think I've given up on the fact that I'll give myself a deadline as opposed to just keep shooting it until I sort of and well, until I have this massive body of work. Um, where it covers as much, as much of that diversity of this country that we have. Um, It's been, it's been, it's been, it's so much fun. Um, I, I'm, I look forward to it every year when I get it, when I get it, when I get in the car Um, and I do it very frugally. So I'm living in the back of living in the back of the car, you know, pulling into random little campsites in these small villages and towns and hamlets and (laughs) meeting all these weird, weird, interesting people. It's, it's wonderful.
0: I mean, one of the things that stood out, there's a, a trailer for the project that I watched. And one of the things that really stood out was a quote, essentially saying that traveling abroad helps heighten your appreciation for home. Um, and is that really what's happened? I mean, you mentioned living abroad. Is it about coming back and just appreciating and getting to know where you're from originally?
1: Definitely. Um, I left home. uh and and moved away from home when I was eighteen, and didn't come back till I was about twenty three. And when I left, you don't really appreciate your home. You know, we live in a Calgary, and it's we have the Rocky Mountains outside our front, outside our back door. It's 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 amazing. Um, and when I lived abroad um, in places like L.A. and Nepal and Bangladesh and all these places, um, you you definitely realize what you're missing is. And I think space was definitely one of them. I know we talked about that earlier. Um, but, but yeah, once you've sort of lived in, in a a variety of different places, like, you know, the comparisons between LA and Bangladesh, you do, you, you, you you have a, a much greater appreciation of where you come from. Um, and, and that's, and again, that's where it started. It was, it was, I never saw my country as a place to explore in something that was that was quite interesting. Um and when I was living abroad, I went to places like small villages and towns and remote areas. That's how I really like to travel. So um I sort of applied that same that same sort of approach um to the Back to the Land project. And uh yeah, it's it's been it's it's been quite the journey thus far. <laughs>
0: Um, one of the things that came through with the the message of the trailer that I watched for this project was the idea of sort of finding authentic Canada. And what I wanted to ask you really is, is there a non-authentic Canada that's a facade that's being shown to the outside world? Does the outside world see Canada for what it is?
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, it's you always hear that grass is greener on the other side. Um, the portrayal of Canada as this place of a wide open space and friendly people, and you know, handsome prime ministers and all that stuff. Um, it, to be honest, it is it is it is quite true. We, like any country, we have we have our we have our issues, we have our d- divisions and politics, just like any other place. Um, but I do. I do think and believe that this place is it's it's wonderful. Um we sometimes have to you know remind ourselves that obviously given certain circumstances and in, in history and whatnot but it's it's great it's 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 a it's a great it's a great place.
0: Um, it's one of the issues the fact that you're so often compared Obviously, to your southern neighbors, you're almost like an, you're like a side project of of the United States almost the way it sometimes comes across. People don't think about Canada as being its own entity. they think about it as America and Canada. and is it sometimes difficult for uh, the world to see Canada for being its own individual country?
1: I don't think so um, and you, <laughs> you'll see it when, when when people assume you're American and there is an immediate correction of no. Or, or, I'm not American. I'm Canadian, and it's it's quite <laughs> quite obvious. And the reaction is different when you correct someone, and they're like, "Oh, okay." Um, it, especially like I remember when I was in Vietnam, you, you got two different reactions whether you're an American or Canadian. Um, same with the Aussies. Um, obviously I'm assuming well, I know my experience in the UK as well there's always two different reactions uh, well, UK, is, UK
0: is strange because even though we're such a small country um, England especially I mean none of the UK countries like each other anyway the English don't like the Scottish the Scottish don't like the English nobody likes the Welsh yeah what's What's actually quite funny is that even within tiny tiny subsections of the UK we hate each other as well so uh, if you're from London I need to know what part of London you're from because that's going to entirely change my opinion of you, um, which is so right. stupid for a country that you could probably walk in three days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild, right? It's it's pretty crazy. It's crazy.
0: I mean, given that you've just said about uh, sort of Canada's need to apologize or, that, or Canadians need to say sorry, and they're, they're very polite, they've got this incredibly nice natured stereotype around them. Um, does Canada have, or do, do Canadians have a self-esteem issue when it comes to national pride?
1: Uh, how, what do you mean by it? like a so um give me an example
0: well, so the last sort of ten years has seen a huge guilt movement in. America especially American politics has become almost entirely based around identity and you are broken down into whatever subgroup you are and you're made to feel appropriately bad based on historical context of your subgroup that's America just trying to over politicize itself i think i think that's a, that's a byproduct of incredibly liberal art colleges sort of punishing students just for what they have been born to be which is incredibly backwards for a, for a anti Discrimination movement. Canada has just by nature, it seems, always been such a polite, uh, friendly country in their politics and in the way that they interact with you when you visit them, when they visit us. Is it almost like an apologetic attitude towards being Canadian? Or do you think people are actually proud to be Canadian and they're just nice people?
1: Oh, people are extremely proud to be Canadian. Um, I know it's. <laughs> it's it's through and through. Yeah. You ask anyone and they're, they're extremely, extremely proud. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know how else to tell tell us to answer that, that.
0: No, I think I asked a long question for a short answer. That was my, that was my bad there.
1: Yeah, no, that's okay. It's good.
0: I mean, one thing that I feel with your project is that it's a celebration and just by, by nature of being a celebration of something, it would indicate that there's not enough people celebrating it. Um, maybe in your opinion, there's not enough people drawing light to these small communities like you are. Is that down to you wanting to um give light to the people that maybe aren't always recognized by the media there or internationally?
1: Definitely. Um I wanna I wanna my goal is to sort of highlight the people in the wings. So you have people center stage in the limelight, but you have sort of the you have these other people in the wings or backstage that are making things happen as well. Um, Canada is a is a massive country. It's so large, um, and when you start going into these sort of pockets, um, there's some incredible stories, and and the, those are the stories that I want to uh, share and 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 showcase visually.
0: What have been some of your favorites so far?
1: Oh wow! Um, in terms of areas or people,
0: just the stories that you've you've come across.
1: Oh. There's one in particular, Grego. Grego is a man that lives in the middle of nowhere in northern BC, British Columbia, sorry. Uh, off of an abandoned logging road. He lives completely um off, I call it off the grid. Um, there's no there's no running water, power, sewer, nothing. Um, and he lives by himself. He traps, he still traps for a living, which um people have trap lines still, and we'll do it as a hobby. Um, People that live in in areas in the woods and things like that. Um, um, But he still does this. There's still a a need for furs and whatnot. And he does this. He'll... He he was... I I heard about him through some of the locals. And so I just went, went up, drove down this random road where they said you might find him. He might not. He might be out hunting or... He might be out in some other um, backcountry cabin. He has a variety of them on his on his uh, trap lines. And I found him. Uh, it turns out he, he he didn't decide to go bear hunting that day. And um, when I found him, he 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 introduced himself. And he, the first thing he asked me was, "Well, are you hungry?" And I said, um, "I said no. I don't. I don't think so." I said, "What do you, you have?" And he's just like, "I got some. I got some beaver and beans on the stove." And I thought he was joking. And then I looked at the stove and there's this half sort of carved up carcass of a beaver. Oh my God. So so it was like, Oh shit, you're, you're serious. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: people like that, um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you have any?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't Ah. have, it. I've eaten a lot of random things throughout my travels. Um, stuff that I, I, I don't know if I should be proud of that I've eaten, but, um, I I didn't. I literally just had. I'd eaten breakfast. I drove about an hour. About it was about an hour, hour and a half into this area, and um, yeah, it was. It, it looked like it had been sitting there for a couple of days. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I I got a strong stomach, but you know, some uh, an open carcass sitting on the stove. I don't know if the dogs have been at it or the cats or. Oh my god.
0: Okay, but take us from there. So you you meet this individual, obviously because he's Canadian. He he welcomes you with open arms and he offers you some beaver, which is honestly the most stereotypical borderline Canadian racist story I've ever heard in my life. It's great. How do you then? How do you then build up to the point of asking them for an interview and asking to take their picture?
1: Good question. Um, it's 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 really interesting. It's a very common question that I get a lot of and people always say, well, how do you photograph these? How, how, how? And I don't. And I think it's, you have to go back to, to the reason why. Um, I'm genuinely curious about trying to find these people and tell their stories. And I think you have to have a genuine interest in what you want to photograph and for it to come across genuine. Um, so it starts there and then the actual process of having that conversation with each person I encounter. It starts just like what we're doing right now. We, we have a conversation. Um, I tell them why I'm there, my intentions, um, that these images will go on uh, a website. Um, they're sharing their story. Um, they can be as open to sharing or as guarded. It's it's really up to them. I let them um, control what they want to say and what, they, and what they don't feel comfortable saying. Um, I don't try and pressure anyone. If someone... Generally, does not want to have their photo taken. I won't push them. I th- I think there there needs to be a level of of respect um, when you're photographing people in, in any situation. Really, if someone doesn't want their photograph taken, you shouldn't. Um, it's something I'm I'm very adamant about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's you, you have to respect them. You need to understand that you're going into someone's um, space, whether it's literally or figuratively. And y- y- you need you need to establish some sort of trust, and by establishing trust, you need to be honest and you need to be open, open to the fact that they may say yes, but also accepting the fact that they might say no. Um, and you need to be okay with that because if if your goal and then it comes back to my intention, if your goal is to just strictly just photograph, you know, like uh, faces with lots of character to 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 to. to for any sort of gratification that you're doing it for the wrong reasons.
0: Have you had many people that have said no or just outright refused to speak to you?
1: Um, yeah, I've had, um, I've had, I had one guy in Northern BC. He was, uh, I, and he has such an interesting story too. He li- lives in Northern BC. He's, he's a, he li- um, he runs a mechanic shop fixing old, uh, uh, lawnmowers and small engines and he does it without the use of his legs so he lives he's in a wheelchair um, so can you you can kind of picture a a man in this small small town having hundreds of these lawnmower parts and tractors and on this sort of property and he fixes them and he has a helper that helps him as well and he just has the kindest face and i asked him and I and I gave, and I also told him I said I'll, I'll come back in a day or two, and you can think about it. I, I don't want to give you any pressure. Came back in a day or two, and he said no. And you just respect that. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't been. Yeah, there's only been one or two people that have said no, which is very surprising because I thought when I first started the project, because um, I, I I go in there completely blind. I'll just go to the farthest point I can. And then just sort of make my way back to Calgary, hitting all these random back rows. And if some, if I feel like, oh, let's go check down there, let's go drive down there, let's we'll see what's over there, and whatnot. Um, it, it, it's it's just trusting my gut, and hopefully people say yes. People are into it. Um, if they're not, you just
0: you, you you thank them and you respect it, and you move on. What's the end product going to look like? Do you think at this point, do you think it's going to be a movie or is it going to be an exhibition of work or an interview with you? And then you sort of intersplice stuff. I, I'm fascinated to see how this all gets packaged in the end.
1: I, I It's, you know, it's a, it's a very common question. Um, I do have some goals that I'd like to see. I, ideally I would love to create. Um, there, There's, we have, there's been some talks with a, a book about being made with a couple of publishers um, that i that I'd love to, um, that I'd love to create. Um, I don't want to put too much emphasis on packaging it up. I think the, the goal of the project is just to share stories. Um, it's a personal project. It's, 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 um, it's one that just, I, I feel I, I need to share these people's stories. I don't know why it's just this. It's just, I just feel I need to do this. Um, ideally I would love to, to take it to big cities. So I'd love to show this side of Canada to people in big city centers and show them that there's, 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 there's so much more out there um, in some sort of public exhibition, so it's free. So people have access to it, all people, um, from all backgrounds. Um, whether that's in a public square or projections or a public institute, like a public museum, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it the work needs to be. I don't think that, like you said, I don't, I don't think the work will ever be finished. Finished, but once I've hit all ten provinces and three territories, and we and we look at 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 what's been told, um, then we'll Then I'll start making those next steps. But right now, it's it's just getting as many stories as I can. Obviously, I, I, it's funny. I should be on the road right now, um, but COVID. <laughs> I always take the month of May off to do Back to the Land, and once it happened, I thought, "Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it um, this year." But I, I might postpone it and do something in October. We'll see. But uh, yeah, that's that's sort of the, that's that's the goal right now. But that that could change. Um, but I somehow get share these stories with a, with a broader audience and and just just give people an idea of what's out there. Um, you know, it, it, it it's a big country. It's a beautiful place. Um, whether you're on flat prairie or you know the, uh, the 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 wild north of British Columbia, like there's there's so much there's so much to see in this country, and, it, and it's it's beautiful.
0: It's a fascinating project, and I think the images that are already um, available that I've seen on your website are varied but massively. Uh, there's a huge through line through. I think it's just such an interesting project. It's so huge. It's hard for someone of my IQ to get their head round. But um, <laughs> it's, it's such a fantastic idea. I really, really do like it. If I could pivot slightly, though, uh, because you work in advertising photography. Yes, uh, portrait and advertising. Yes. So uh, if we could focus on advertising just a little bit, because I've not had many opportunities to talk to people that work within advertising and any chance I get to kind of learn about something that I'm stupid about, I'll take. And that's quite easy on a daily basis. I'm usually being educated by something. Do you have a social responsibility as a advertising photographer? Are there any jobs that you would turn down because they wouldn't align with your ethical or moral code?
1: Um, Yes, it's, it's a great question. And one that I've actually thought about, a lot um the type of advertising work that I love to do um I, to be honest, I love working with 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 small businesses, and also that I'm still quite in, in terms of at ad the advertising world, I would say I'm still quite new to the advertising world I've only been shooting ads for probably about five years now um, compared to some some guys that have been doing this for forty, so I'm still new to that. Realm, but going back to your question in terms of the social responsibility, yeah, it it's it's weighed on my mind quite a bit. And sometimes when a company will contact me and they're like, We just want to sell more product or sell more of this, um, it, I try and answer with well, why like it, it, what's the goal? is it Is it trying to is it trying to tell your story or are you just trying to make money um because I think there is more to business than than making money. I, I I agree with you. There should be some sort of moral responsibility. Um, so I have turned down. There was there was one. There was an insurance company that wanted to use a bunch of my back to the land images for selling insurance. And I'm Yikes. sure everyone has a strong opinion about insurance in some way or some experience.
0: <laughs> I think right now there's a lot of people that have a problem with insurance companies at the moment. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, they asked if they could use, and it was an immediate, I, well, I asked, I said, well, what, why, what, why these images? And their, their response was, we feel these people buy our insurance. I said, do you feel, or do you know? And they said, well, we think. And I said, no, we're not doing this. This, this is, mm. you, no, this isn't happening. I, and I don't even, and yeah, I, I didn't even want to know the budget. I was it was just a flat out no. And also given it was my personal work on, um, it's very I there would be a lot of conversations I would have to have with my subjects. And that's another thing. It's going back to that moral responsibility. Um, hey, would you feel comfortable if your face was on an insurance billboard? And if they said no, it'd be like, that's then no, we're not doing we're not doing that. I think you've got to have some sort of conscience when it comes to selling shit. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. In terms of an artistic uh, way of looking at things, how much creative control do you have within the realm of being commissioned to do advertising jobs?
1: I think it depends on the client. Um, I personally love having an art director or creative director on set um, giving me direction. They are obviously working with a brand or a client that knows it a lot better than I do. So having any sort of direction um, really. I love. I, I I like that. Sometimes you'll have, for example, a small business, and they will give you complete creative control. You get as much information as you can from them, um, whether it be uh, you know what the goals are, what the brief is, um, strategy, long-term goals, those sorts of things. And then you do, but you do your research and you say, okay, well, looking at what the information that you have and what you've told me, and looking at competitors and all that stuff. Um, I think we should go this route. And sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say, Can we try this? And yeah, and you just sort of you just work within those with those you just you just have those conversations and work within within um uh, those those uh those fences and and yeah, so it, it really depends on, on, on the client really and,
0: and yeah. I mean, we're in an age of transparency for photography, I think, in terms of maybe 10 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to find out how people at the top of the top of the industry in regardless of genre, how they do their job or how they go about finding their clients or the thought process that goes into a lot of the jobs that they do. Whereas now through Instagram and through YouTube and through podcasts and all sorts, there's ways for people to find out the inner workings of different industries. Particularly, I find uh, the beauty and cosmetics industry, the photographic sides really opened up maybe in the last two years, whereas previously it was an incredible gatekeeper's Uh, sort of Mm -hmm. industry where you you just couldn't find out how to do certain things without working at a studio and building up trust and having to carry as much pig shit as possible before people would actually trust you to do the real job. Um, How do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's positive or do you think that's just going to open up the industry to have just everybody trying to get on the same job? Um, And there's going to be people that have sort of very small amounts of skill in very small areas taking up jobs where, you know, there's obviously more universally talented people available. It's a good, it's oh, such a loaded question. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's, it's good. It's really, really good. Um, I feel my realm in the Instagram world, I'm not, I typically don't get work from Instagram. I use it just as a platform to, as a portfolio platform, really. The way I generate businesses, is I do this. I, I, I talk to people. My goal is to get in front of them physically. It does take a lot more work. However, the people I work with, that continue to work with me, always say it's nice to speak to a human or talk with or work with someone that you enjoy working with. I think I think digital can only get you work so far. I, I still think at the end of the day, it's you, you gotta you, you gotta do the human thing. Um I, I think also for longevity reasons too. I think there's a lot of there there is a lot of jobs out there that definitely go out to Hey, we like this person's work. Let's hire them. Let's, it fits with what we're what we're trying to say or or speak to or whatnot. Um, but I still think, in in terms of the realm of of of, of getting work, um, it, 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 it's going to take more than just a message on Instagram. I think it's gonna it takes it takes sometimes months. Um, it's having mm. conversations. It's making sure you're competent for the job, understanding their needs. Um, yeah, like I remember, I remember having conversations with a client um, for eighteen months before they even considered hiring me for a job. But it was constant, like, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the work that I've been that I've been uh, creating. This is the stuff I like doing. If you see a good fit, great. If not, totally fine. Um, again, just just being a a, a real person."
0: <laughs> um, well, something that I've I've learned the last, especially the last sort of two months since I, since the lockdown started in England, and I started to broaden my approach for the podcast, and I started to think, well, you know what? If I if I'm talking to anybody anywhere, as opposed to them having to come to the studio, what's stopping me from reaching out to people that are like yourself all the way over um, in Canada or Australia or wherever? One thing I've been fascinated mm-hmm. by is that for an industry where people are so often talking about the volatile nature of rejection, the people that are often bemoaning being rejected in that way are really quick to reject other people in exactly the same way. I've had some really nasty interactions with people where all I've done is I've just tested the water and said, "You know, this is what I'm doing. Um, I'd love for you to be part of it. I've not approached anybody without really looking at their work and being sure that it's something that A, it speaks to me and B, something that I can actually articulate questions on. And I'm quite fascinated that I think it might be a case of social media creates a lot of egos. Mm-hmm. But there are people that are, you know, when they they talk about how much they don't like being ignored or rejected or the way in which it's done, they are very quick to do it to other people. It's a very sad state of affairs, really.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I, I sometimes give talks at uh, the local Ford Journalism uh, classes here at, at one of our Polytech schools and and i I tell them flat out like it's you're gonna get rejected, you're gonna have more doors you know closed than 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 open um it's the nature of the business, and it has been for quite some time. I think at the end of the day y- you gotta realize we're not saving the world here, we're just taking pictures yeah. um and because we're taking pictures that doesn't give you it doesn't give you the right to be a dick
0: a hundred percent
1: I just think it, it's. And we've all encountered it, right? We've we've all encountered the egotistical, and you know those nasty emails when you just send out a request or don't even get a reply, and that's fine. Um, I know I, I don't like to to work like that. If someone sends a request, it's I'll at least reply. But I'll be honest, like if someone if someone says like, "Hey, can I pick your brain?" It'd be like, you know, I really don't have the time right now. Um, and if I sat down for coffee to for someone to pick my brain, it would I it, it, I, I would get nothing done. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just I don't know. We're, we're not. We're, we're just taking pictures. There's no need to be an asshole.
0: Hundred percent. I've been saying for the longest time, like you're a photographer, not a heart surgeon. That's just keep it in perspective yeah. and try and enjoy what you're doing because you're having a better time than 99.99% of all of humanity in history right now. It's better time than it's ever been. Just enjoy it. Be nice to people. Smile because you've got a lot to smile about. Let's pivot. I want to talk about portraits, if that's okay. Uh, I absolutely love your work, uh, your workforce series on your website. I think that's that's fascinating because it's a real mix to me of, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels to me like it's a real mix of portrait and photojournalism in the sense of it's an environmental portrait, but also it feels like you're documenting uh, the moment as it's happening, as opposed to quite a lot of portraits, which is about stopping the moment for the portrait. It feels a lot more like you're along for the ride. What is it that you like photographing? What is it about people that you like photographing so much? And you seem to really like to focus on people that maybe aren't normally the subject of portraits.
1: I'm very curious. I'm very curious how things work. And I think that's also part of the, the the type of subject matter that you see me photograph. I don't photograph high fashion or, or, uh, you know, huge talent agency, um, t- type, type subjects. Um, I do. I like those sort of real characters, salt of the earth type, type individuals.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, why do you like photographing people? Because there are people that are absolutely adamant that they don't like photographing people. And there are people that that's all they do. They only photograph people. So what is it about being able to put a face in front of your camera that speaks so much to you as a creative?
1: I, f- I find it's... For, for me, I find it's it's easy to photograph people. I, I like people. I think you have to like people when you photograph people. I, sorry, there was a lot of people in that sense Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you do hear that where... Certain photographer, certain photographers will say, "I find it very difficult to photograph people." And my my follow up question would be, "Well, do you like people?" And sometimes it's like, "Well, actually, I've never really thought about it." Or, "No, I actually don't like people." I'm like, "Then, then why? What, why do you? Like them? Why would you? Why would you try and force it?" Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think for, for the reason I like photographing people is I genuinely like people i'm interested in them um as i as i said earlier you know for me it's i love salt of the earth people i love people that are genuine that are kind that are sort of those every day um i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of the hyper polish <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know I, to be honest i don't know where that comes from i i, I think when i started traveling young you when i was a lot younger um, I do remember certain times when I just go for a walk and and meet random people on the street, and then a five minute conversation would turn into someone bringing out a bottle of wine, and you just have these random situations come about and
0: and 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 yeah, so. Do you think that you're 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 a very you seem to be a very honest and raw person? Do you think that that's opened a lot of doors for you, where other people who maybe have a more closed off or reserved personality wouldn't get the same photos that you do?
1: Thank you for that compliment. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe, I, I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's I don't know. I, I think I I I don't know if I can answer that question. I think it just be be a nice person, right? Like there's. I don't know. Maybe it's open more doors. I I think I think the best people to ask would be the would be the people I shoot or shoot for. Um, if they, I guess if they keep calling me back, I, I'm doing something right. I guess right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, covering advertising and portraits, and then you're doing this this incredible project. How much camera gear are you taking with you, and how much of it kind of? overlays all three or or you know the multiple genres that you cover do you have separate kit for each project that you're doing do you have like an advertising bag and a bag for um back to the land you know what's the gear like because i for some reason i feel like with the amount of work that you're doing it must just be a crazy amount of gear
1: um it's a good question the the commercial realm it can it can vary from just like for, i'm, I'm going to be leaving in about three hours to go shoot an editorial piece and it will just be my camera bag and a tripod shooting in natural light. But depending on the project or, excuse me, the assignment, it could range anything from a couple carloads of gear to to just like your bag. Um, so it really depends on the project. Um, and a lot of the... Uh, anything that's in the studio, obviously, we we have all the gear at the studio. So that's... It's just there and we have it at our fingertips. in In terms of Back to the land. Um, I try and keep it as minimal as I can. Um, I literally spoon my gear at night when I'm sleeping in the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I have like a strobe between my legs. No, I'm kidding. Um, there, I'll I'll bring like I'll bring it. I'll usually bring two strobes. Um, one as a backup in case something happens. Wind blows it over or something. It's sort of a worst case scenario thing. Um. I'll bring probably one or two modifiers, um, a couple stands, um, and and that's and then and then and then a camera, and maybe two or three lenses, and that's it. Um, some sandbags. And um, when you're out in places like Saskatchewan, which is a province here in Canada, it can get quite windy, and you need to sandbag the shit out of your lights, or they're gonna <laughs>
0: you're gonna have a yard sale very quickly. Um, <laughs> What's the camera you're using for back to the land? Because I feel like it would need to be something that's not intimidating for you to be able to photograph yeah. regular people.
1: Yeah. So I'm just shooting on a Nikon D800 right now. Um, but when I, have also started shooting, like I, like, as I mentioned earlier, I started shooting films. So I'm shooting on a Hassie 500 CM2. So that's been, that's been super fun to play with. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a gear guy. I, I'm, for i'm I'm all of if it works great it's it's a tool right uh, it's 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 just another hammer um so f- for me i i I use what works I'm not dedicated or solely committed to one brand um yeah that's 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 just how i work I'm, I'm, and i'm not yeah i'm I'm not a super super technical shooter either um but in in terms of just what I bring with me I try and keep it as minimal as i can um you know the less decisions I have to make, the better because <laughs> then, <laughs> then again, it's working sort of within that that box again, you know, solving solutions. yeah, um, yeah or sorry, solving problems. Um, yeah, that's 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 how I, that's that's how I like to do it. If, does that answer your question?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We are within a couple of questions of you having freedom from my appalling accent. so we are very close to home. One thing that I try to do with all of these... For me, and and this entire project of being able to speak to absolutely phenomenal creatives like yourself, um, one of the things about it for me is just the, uh, the ability to grow as a person and as someone that wants to be a better photographer. So as much as it's great that people have this stuff to listen to and uh, it's something out there when people are locked in their homes and they haven't got anything to do, it's kind of staving off the boredom and maybe inspiring them to check out new artists. Um, for me, it's about finding what is making people that I admire tick and trying to find out why they are who they are and what I can do to myself to improve who I am and become maybe closer to the artist that they are. And with you, I would feel there are two subjects that really make you who you are. And if I could ask the last two questions about those, and then I promise I'll let you go. So the first one is that I think you are the absolute archetype of proof that you have to have an emotional connection to the job that you're doing to do it well you have to be emotionally invested uh, to be able to give everything you've got towards a project. How emotionally invested are you in your work? And is it something that takes its toll on you after a while?
1: That's a good question. Um, Yes, that's that's the the short answer. Yes. Um, The long answer would be, yeah, it it does take its toll. Um, I think every photographer or any individual, I I think in the creative realm, or I, I think any industry really, Really does have that identity question, where they identify themselves solely as, say, a photographer, and if you took that away, who am I? Um, So that's 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 definitely something I continually think about sometimes, Um, and I'm working on sort of changing as well. Um, On the emotionally invested front, yeah, I think if you want to do good work, you have to be somewhat emotionally invested. Um, You know, you, you hear. You hear sometimes those things about writers where they say, well, what do I write about? And they say, well, make it about, make it personal, make it about something about your life. And I believe that I think you, you do have to have some sort of, some sort of um, emotional attachment in order for, because then I think then you'll care more. Um, yeah. that that's just me though. I know, I know there's, there's others that may feel differently, but.
0: Well, I think that's, that's the most important thing that I've learned from doing this is that I don't necessarily always agree with ideas or approaches of other people but when you learn about their reasoning behind it as opposed to just outright saying well I don't do it that way therefore it's wrong for me it's actually interesting just to learn about the reason behind people's approach because you can learn more about the reason for your approach that way and why it is or isn't working for you provided obviously that you're willing to be brutally honest about yourself and I always think a little bit of self-hatred goes a long way when it comes to being a creative the last thing i want to ask you about and i think probably you're you're the best person i have spoken to that can Uh, talk about this, is the importance of personal work and personal projects. Now, obviously, that works off the back of the previous, but given that you have this amazing body of work for Back to the Land, but I actually think overall, you have, even in some of your commercial work, there it feels like there's a hugely personal element to the way that you're creating stuff. How much importance is there for the growth of an artist on developing and really working through personal projects?
1: I believe it's 100% the most important thing. I think you need to look back on why you got, why you started doing this. And I, and I'm assuming most people have the same experience where you, you, you did it because it was fun or you enjoy doing it or it's the only thing you could think about and you, you found something that, that, that was fulfilling. Um, doing personal work is that reminder from when you first started doing it. Um, for me it's there's this always in, there's this always there's this voice that always is telling me to always create, create, create whether that's you know not just photography but just building things and figuring things out. um I think you need to listen to that voice when that's when that's doing it and then if that's for for you, if you're a photographer and you have that voice sticking in the back of your head to create uh, you know a specific image or travel to a specific destination or what have you, listen to it. Um the best advice I, I can always tell anyone sort of on just to go a little bit to the side of that question is trust your gut. Um and and when you trust your gut with your with those personal projects, you, you'd be surprised what happens. Um yeah, I think it's 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 hugely important to to to, to do personal work. Um because then I find if 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 you don't start listening to that voice then it just starts becoming a job and you might start getting stagnant and I know I've that's happened to me a couple times where I haven't done a creative portrait or even just gone for a drive just to just to get out of the house and you know go shoot some abandoned buildings in, in a farmer's field or something um it, it you need to feed that you need to feed that sort of urge um yeah or or it, it, the last thing you want to do is is end up hating hating what you sort of first fell in love with.
0: What we always make sure we do here is that people know where they can now find these projects and all of your amazing work. So if you can tell us your website, your social media name links, and whatnot, um we we're, we're going to send as many people as we can in your direction.
1: Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you heard the shameless plug. Here we go. <laughs> uh, it's just Jeremy Folkins, Um On Instagram, just at Jeremy Fokens And then my website's just jeremyfokens.com.
0: See, it wasn't too painful, was it? A shameless plug's never that bad. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I massively appreciate you taking the time to do this. Like I say... You have an incredible body of work. And I think the very least people can take away from this. And that's if they're really not even trying to find uh, something to take from this is just the importance of personal projects and how much um, it's done for someone like yourself and how much it could do for everybody if they took the time, like you said, to kind of listen to their instincts.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. That was that was wonderful. It was an honor.